Falwell and welcome to iDeveloper Live, episode number 57. And you know what? I always forget something before we start, and that's to make sure every single one of my guests is recording what they're doing. So guests, could you please start your record now? I'm just going to assume they've heard that and they, <laughs> and they know what they're doing. Ah, John, are you with me today? I am with you today as always. How are you, Scotty? Oh, I am doing, I'm doing okay, John. It's, uh, it's going to be one of those days where I think we're going to find it interesting. We have eight of us on the show today. I know. It's a, I don't think, I think this must be a world record or at least a record for us, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think once on the Mac Developer Roundtable, we had eight or nine and, um, it was, um, really, um, technically a disaster. So this is, this is a challenge. And of course we are here in, um, what you would, uh, romantically called East Bollockshire, where our uh, uh, internet connection is made up of a two pieces of string stretched very tightly between two cows. <laughs> what, it's, it's IP over methane gas or something? It's, it's, it's something, something close to that. So um, we've, we've got loads of guests on today and we'll, we'll start bringing them in in just a minute. Um, got a couple of sponsors on the show today. We've got a Rev Objects and uh, Invasive Coder back. Invasive Code is back, and they're back and better than ever, aren't they? They are, and we'll talk all about them in a in a little bit. But uh, sat with me in the studio is the the beauty, the wonder that is called Mister Simon Wolf. Let's say hello to Simon, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm not even going to comment on that because it's yeah okay. Yeah, it's 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 all that can be uh, be said. And, um, right. Okay. Um, I think because of, uh, the amount of people we got hanging around in on the Skype call and everything, we'll, we'll, we'll skip the news and everything for now. I mean, WWDC videos came out, but you know, who cares? I mean, what's that to us? Hey, 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 you downloaded them, John? I have. I wish I was watching them on my new computer. Oh, of course. Yes. Because your new computer broke, didn't it? Have you taken it back now? Tell us the story. I did. Okay. Well, so basically, I got tired of being savaged everywhere I went for my Fred Flintstone era 2007 MacBook Pro, um, which won't run Mountain Goat. So I decided when I was in the Apple store last Wednesday, and the guy said, well, oddly enough, we actually have some units in here, and if you'd like to buy them, I would buy them now. So I said, well, somebody at Apple has told me to buy some kit from them, so I dutifully took out my, my card, gave it to him, and bought it. I went home. Applied the requisite update, um, and then st- started uh, doing the the user account migration, which took pretty much overnight because there's no FireWire, you know, Thunderbolt adapter available. So I had to do it over USB from a backup disk. And it was slow, so I let it run overnight. And when I wake up, I notice that my machine seemed rather unresponsive. So I said, "Okay, let's give it a high hard reboot," and I did, and I got a stunning Retina display of of a kernel panic. Um, and I saw a screen I hadn't seen since old days of Next Step. So I rebooted and rebooted, and same result, same result. So I finally I took it back to the Apple store, and I said, Hi, I just gave you $3,500, and it would be just so cool if my machine worked. And they agreed. And they said, Well, let us have a, a look at it. We'll call you back. And so several hours passed. They didn't call back. I you know, ambled over there and said, Hi, I gave you my m- money first, and then you gave me a machine, and then I had to bring the machine back, and now... You have my machine and my money, and I'm not very happy. And what's what's up? And they said, well, uh, uh, what was your administrator passcode? And uh, anyway, so they, they, the short story long, they, uh, they didn't have another machine to replace it with. After all the time that had been spent, by now a day 
not even producing a machine that's in, in, in good shape, let alone ready for development. And with kind of questionable hardware, you know, i.e. RAM that may be defective but soldered in, I said, forget it. I would like my money back and I'll try again in a month after, um, after hopefully they get the glitches out. And during which time, hopefully I'll be able to get one that's build to order and get exactly what I wanted. But apparently I'm not the only one who's had various little problems. So I think Scotty's advice to wait um, for the first rev when buying some brand new bleeding edge hardware is a good one. Okay, but you've just, I think you've just revealed a piece of information I wasn't aware of here. I, I could have just misheard you. Did you say you did a full restore from your previous MacBook Pro onto the new one? No, well, just the user account copy over. All right, okay, so you didn't, you didn't break, you, know, you didn't. No, I used, no, 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 I just used the migration assistant. Okay, so does that, that doesn't bring, what does that bring over? Just, just data, yeah, nothing else. <laughs> Just, just, yeah, just, just it copies files from your user account. So you reinstalled all the applications, all that sort of stuff, yeah? Yeah, I do that manually. Yeah, so I mean, okay, then you had no reason. I thought you just said you, you sort of cloned the thing back onto the hard drive. No, no, but no. I said, no, yeah, no, your no, machine no. has, how old is it? As you say, Stone Age, there's all those thousands of years worth of, of gum. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I'm very tempted by, you know, a Retina MacBook Pro, but it's, it is a new model. And, you know, let's be honest, for all our fanboyishness, the first rev of, um, any new model of a laptop from uh, from Apple has been known to have a few problems. Yeah, including I've seen recently issues with with screen burn in. So there we are. Well, there we go. Well, so you're back on the old one now, are you? Yes, and and I had to reassure that I still loved it and that I wasn't going to replace it anytime soon, and that in fact no no one no no thing no person could quite replace the the laptop I love. Well, there we um. There we are. That's a, a story that has moved me to my very core, um, I think. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, let's get on to the part of the show that um, everybody re- actually really wants to listen to. Let's get on to our feature segment. I did air quotes as well as I did that, but of course that's we're audio, so nobody could see that, so I wasted talent, wasted talent. Okay, right. Um, our subject for today is... App code. Now, app code is an alternative um, IDE for developing um, Mac and iPhone applications. It's from um, the guys at JetBrains. I'm not going to say uh, too much about it, so I'm going to welcome our first guest on, Mr. Hadi Harari. How are you, Hadi? I'm good, thanks, Scott. Steve, how are you? I am good. Scotty or Steve, I don't mind which. Um, you could even use both if you wish. Um, okay, um, Hadi, first of all, just tell us just a little bit about who you are. Um, and then, um, you know, tell us a little bit about um, AppCode and, and, and why all those lovely uh, developers out there in um, iDeveloper land should care that AppCode even exists. Okay. Uh, my name is Hadi. I, I'm a, a technical evangelist and developer at uh, JetBrains. And I come from, like yourself, a Delphi background and then moved on to .NET. And now I'm, I'm covering at JetBrains, I cover .NET uh, little bit app code and some of our other tools, namely JavaScript, uh, some stuff in Java, etc. And, um, you know, my, my day job is to try and um, help our developers to not only use our tools, but try and improve the way that we work and in, in various aspects from how we write code to how we can work more efficiently. So that's kind of my, my role. And... In terms of uh, app code, I, I'll just give a brief summary because I don't want to get too deep just yet. Um, app code, basically what we've done is we've taken the over 
a decade of experience of creating tools that take the dirty work out of writing code. So it really allows you to focus on what you're trying to do, which is solve the problem at hand. And all of the scummy, you know, dirty work that you have to do often, uh, whether it be generate some stuff or navigation and things like that, we've taken that pain away and made it easier for developers so that you can just stay in the zone. And we've, you know, based on the 10 plus years experience that we have building IDEs and tools, be it IntelliJ, which is our Java one, or ReSharper, which is our plugin for Visual Studio, we've taken the same series of concepts and applied it now to an IDE for Objective-C, which is, as you know, called AppCode. So that is the, the basic idea. And along that, now we offer things, you know, we enhance in the, the developer experience by offering things like re better refactoring, code analysis, navigations, you know, a whole bunch of new things that just make it so much more easier and efficient for developers to work. So, so would it be fair to say that the, the central uh, focus of AppCode, not by no means the only one, but the central focus of AppCode is really all around the code editing experience with completion and refactoring and navigation around it. You know, it really is about the code more than anything else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it really is about you having to con you know, work on the code and think of the code and not worry about details that really, you know, they're, they're the machine should take care of. And just, you know, the time that you spend, just spend focusing on what you're trying to solve and not have to, you know, do 10 steps with a normal IDE, be it Xcode or anything else, and, you know, have that automated for you. So, yeah, I mean, it, for us, it's all about the code. Okay, now also with us from JetBrains is um, Anton, is it McKeeve? I, I should have asked you before we came on air how to pronounce your name. That was very rude of me. I, I do apologize, Anton. Um, now, you're one of the developers um, on the project. I mean, what is, you know, what is it about AppCode that you develop that you love and you just want to get across today to uh, the developers out there? Yeah, hi, guys. Um, uh, yeah, as uh, Steve said, uh, I'm a developer for AppCode. And uh, first I worked in uh, IntelliJ ID team, now I'm full-time in AppCode. And uh, the part of uh, my responsibility are mostly project uh, structure, project configuration, um, some of uh, debugger, and uh, unit testing, and so on. And um, what, uh, what do I love about AppCode? Um, actually, I think... Uh, some stuff like uh, unit testing, what we love to do in our company to test our code. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it has the uh, best quality that we can deliver. So uh, we try to uh, put all the experience uh, we have in our, our ideas, like uh, IntelliJ IDEA, to AppCode. Uh, to share our experience uh, with uh, 10 years old platform. And as Hadi said, uh, various navigation stuff, um, of course, refactorings. And yeah, one, one major part uh, what uh, uh, should be noticed is uh, um, version control integration, what take all the button of uh, knowing uh, various commands of uh, JIT, maybe Mercurial or Subversion uh, to itself. And um, you, just, you just see that um, 
what you change and uh, you just work with your changes, not with version control. It's just uh, transparent for you. Okay, that, that's cool. Now we're going to get these, uh, um, Anton and Hadi involved in some discussion as we go through the show. Now, um, what I wanted to do is not only bring these guys on from JetBrains, but to bring on some, some of the guys who actually use AppCode, um, out there in, in, you know, either as a, a side, a second tool or as their main tool. We'll ask them all in a minute how, how they use it. Um, now just to let you know, I've been out and found these guys to come on the show. They've not been supplied by JetBrains. They've not sort of been paid any money by them. So hopefully we're going to get an honest, um, warts and all, um, uh, description of it. And then, you know, maybe they'll learn something on air as, as they get corrected from the developers or maybe you, you guys as developers will pick up some stuff that, uh, these guys are saying. So, um, I'm going to bring them in one at a time. We've got three of them and, uh, just let you, um, each of them tell you who they are and uh, a little bit about themselves. And then, um, if they, they're going to give us um, the overview of why they choose to use AppCode and what it is about AppCode um, that makes them pick it over using uh, Xcode right now or why they use it in combination with Xcode or, or whatever they do. So who should we bring in first? Let's bring in um, Sven. Sven Gunter. Yeah, hello. I'm Sven. I'm a developer at IT Agile in Hamburg, Germany. And I develop software or Objective-C software four, uh, three years ago. And um, in my former days as a Java programmer, I used IntelliJ IDEA. And so I was very glad to hear about AppCode. And I'm a user of AppCode since the first um, developer preview. And I developed software uh, test-driven. And so... If you uh, develop test-driven, um, you come from a, a client side of your code. Um, maybe you want to introduce new properties or maybe you want to introduce new, cl new classes. And that's very easy in app code. And so all these tasks are very, are very easy. Uh, you only hit option enter and you you can introduce your new properties, your new methods, and your new classes. And that's the reason why I choose AppCode as, a, as my main developing IDE. Um, but unfortunately, you can't really use it uh, as, a, as, as your only IDE because there are some features still missing. Maybe we want to talk about them later. But... Um, in the, in the meantime, I use AppCode for for the most programming tasks I use. I do. Okay, thank you for that. So, yeah, we'll pick up on the, those in just a minute because I'm sure that's going to be a, a sort of um, um, a central topic and, and we'll let the guys at JetBrains tell us why those things are like that way. Um, someone else whose um, surname I didn't uh, ask how to pronounce before we came on there, so I'm doing very bad today. Um, Alex Babayev, is it? Well, uh, uh, hi, I, I'm Alex, and in Russian, it, um, you can call me uh, Babayev. It's very hard to pronounce in English, I know. Um, well, uh, first of all, uh, I'm from Russia, from St. Petersburg. <clears throat> I, develop, I developed Java for 10, maybe even more years. Uh, I used uh, idea of a lot of time. 
And when I found out that uh, JetBrains started to create um, Objective-C ID, uh, I wowed and I use it since, uh, well, not, not since the first time I see it. I saw it, but uh, even before uh, first uh, public beta. And uh, I use it first of all because uh, I, uh, I code a lot. Uh, I sometimes I even do not create uh, interfaces in interface builder and uh, create them by coding it. Uh, often I have a code come to me from other developers, and I want to know about this code as much as I can. Uh, so I have to navigate the code a lot. And uh, well, uh, App Code gives me the ability to navigate code and to and to find out everything about the code, uh, where this function is, is used. Uh, I can find uh, several well methods or uh, other identifiers very quickly and very easily. I can navigate uh, back and forth uh, cl classes, methods, uh, variables, uh, everything. Uh, that is the first thing. Uh, the second thing, I think, well, Version control integration. I didn't see any better version control integration than in uh, IntelliJ IDEA and of course in AppCode they are the same. Uh, well, of course there are some some things missing. We'll talk about them later. Okay, thank you, Alex. Um, and last but not least, um, uh, someone who's been on the show lots of times before, uh, Mr. Graham Lee. How are you doing, Graham? I'm doing well, Scotty. Uh, yeah, so, so um, well, I'm Graham Lee. Uh, I've been, like a lot of the other um, developers who have been talking about their use of AppCode, uh, I've used a variety of IDEs. I've done some uh, Java programming before and used Eclipse for that. I've used Visual Studio. And, of course, for a very long time, I've been using um, Project Builder and Xcode. Uh, you know, I uh, I like to do test-driven development. In fact, I've uh, probably almost got enough to write a book about all the thoughts I have on TDD. Um, one of the things that I particularly like about app code is the way that you can just uh, run the test that you're currently... You know, if your editor is in the middle of a test method, you can hit a button and get it to run just that unit test. You can get very fast feedback uh, on what you're doing. Um a lot of the editing, someone just now in a chat room said that the, uh, the source editor in app code is very fast and, you know, it really is. Like you get, um, auto completion suggestions very quickly and they tend to be, uh, a little bit more, um, context aware than the ones you get in Xcode as well. Uh, so it's for, for editing Objective C, it's a very fast experience. Of course, you have to then go out to Xcode to use things like Interface Builder and the uh, Core Data Entity Editor. So I've got uh, a fairly stable but complicated workflow that involves switching between the two IDEs, having them both open on the same project. 
Okay, so I mean, let me give a quick summary of what I've heard. Um, hopefully, I won't be doing them down. You know, the three guys who are using AppCode here are mainly using it because um, of refactoring. Uh, unit testing seems to be a, a, a strength they're pointing out. Speed of the editor. Um, just looking at the AppCode stuff myself, and it's you know one of the first things you get recommended to do when you look at AppCode is to download the keyboard shortcut um, um, uh, data sheet. You know, which we strongly suggest that you know this is a tool that's designed to keep your hands on the keyboard and, and go nowhere near that trackpad or mouse. And yet something that everyone has pointed out is actually um, it doesn't have everything. And then as Graham revealed there at the end, actually you still need to use um, Xcode for, for certain things. Um, so um, Anton, why don't you, could uh, um, if you prefer to defer to um, Hadi, I'll let you just do that. But um, I'm going to pick on you first. You know, obviously it's not a case of people are going out to Xcode to do some things because AppCode isn't very good at it. It's going out to Xcode to do some things because AppCode just doesn't even support it. So why don't you explain to us a little bit about how you know AppCode is supposed to work alongside Xcode as opposed to possibly be the full replacement? Yeah, sure. Currently, um, currently AppCode is, of course, not a full replacement of Xcode. There are some things like uh, interface builder missing, uh, storyboards, uh, editor, um, code, uh, code data, project configuration. There are some other aspects of um, various maintenance uh, things that we haven't yet uh, implemented in AppCode. But uh, the reason is um, generally not because uh, we don't know how to how to implement it or how to implement it good, uh, but because we don't have um, yet, uh, didn't have yet uh, time for it. And um, for all these things, we will eventually eventually come and we'll try to do them uh, as best as we can. And we will try to ensure that they are more convenient and more fluent to use than in Xcode. Um, as for interface builder, there is a hmm, once from on the uh, on, on one one hand is a technical problem uh, because uh, the, all the formats of uh, metadata in Xcode is appropriate and um, uh, we don't we don't know yet uh, how to handle it and uh, on the other hand is um, is problem of uh, speed of uh, uh, develop of uh, Xcode development. Uh, uh, they, you know, they uh, add some stuff in interface builder with every release, and uh, we are not sure we can uh, keep up with uh, updates uh, to offer a full replacement of uh, interface builder. And uh, actually, um, lots of people uh, tell us what we better don't uh, replace interface builder because uh, they are quite satisfied with it and. Uh, but it uh, does its job well. Um, Hadi, do you want to add, add anything to that? Uh, Hadi, would you uh, like to add anything to that in any way? No, I think, I mean, uh, Anton summed it up pretty nice. I mean, it's it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, we wanted to, to, to release the first version. We wanted to gain traction. We wanted to get people to use it, to give feedback. And gradually, you know, in an iterative way, continue to build on it. And we, you know, it, when it comes down to push and shove, you've got to decide what features you want to 
um, push out first. And again, for us, it's always been about the code. So that's why we went down that route of trying to get the, the you know, keep your hands on the keyboard kind of approach as much as we could. And then things like the interface builder and other things could just come later on. So it, it's not a, you know, it's just a question of time, really, resources. Okay, I mean, I was just plumbing, um, you know, I've been playing around with AppCode for a little bit, um, not as much as I'd like to have done, and I'm sort of exploring it. Um, and, uh, you know, I was working on just, you know, just opened a sort of default um, new project today for an iPhone app, a, a tabbed iPhone app. And so I did new in AppCode, and I got this offer of the same templates that Xcode did. It created the same code that um, uh, Xcode would and everything felt the same and yes although Interface Builder wasn't in there you know I double clicked on the storyboard uh, file in AppCode and it opened up Xcode um, in in IB mode Interface Builder mode on the right storyboard and everything so I mean the <laughs> It, there is a little bit of integration there. It's not sort of totally separate, as, as, as people say. And, you know, there was something very familiar about using AppCode. Equally, there was something very alien. Now, I'm not sure how alien it was to me because um, I'm a RubyMine user, which, again, is a very similar interface and uh, um, based on, on that. So there was some familiarity to me. Uh, but it, uh, it it did definitely look different. Um, okay, let's just go back to the guys for a minute. And um, this is where we're going to get... Um, uh, Hadi and Anton, you need to get yourself ready to to sort of um, be ready to answer these things because I'm going to go through the bits that they don't like now, um, and and then we'll maybe just dash around in some random stuff after that. So, um, Sven, what is it you don't like about AppCode other than the fact it's not quite complete as far as interface build is concerned and everything for you? Everything for you. Yeah, um, I don't like in AppCode the handling of the build configurations. If I um, if I want to run my tests, I have to switch to a test configuration and AppCode is caching all the libraries and caching all the classes uh, that, uh, that are used in these configuration. So, and I uh, run my tests and all is fine, but if I want to run my, uh, my app in my simulator, uh, then I have to switch the configurations and that is a task um, which is uh, quite time-consuming because all the caches uh, seem to be renewed and reloaded. And uh, that's quite better in Xcode. In Xcode, you can run your test with command U and you can run your program or you can run your app with command R. And uh, in, the X, in, in AppCode, this is much more uh, to do to, um, to run these different configurations. Anton, do you have a response to that? Yeah, sure. Um, actually, um, what to start with? Uh, the root of the problem is, of course, um, uh, all the stuff uh, AppCode need to uh, need to handle. Uh, but but it's, uh, when AppCode uh, makes uh, builds its caches, its indices, it prepares uh, the environment, the sandbox for you to uh, get the full full power of it. So to all the navigation stuff, all the refactoring. So we need to build um, all the symbol tables for the, for the configuration you have chosen. Um, 
because um, if you have uh, an application configuration and uh, test configuration, they are built um, in different contexts with different set of uh, defines. Uh, so um, the code is uh, basically different. It's not the same. Uh, but uh, in Xcode, when you switch the configuration, you don't see you don't see indexing, you don't see you don't see nothing. Uh, it's because uh, Xcode uh, knows much less about uh, about the sandbox and about the uh, set of uh, defines, and uh, it doesn't switch between them. And uh, in um, the problem, the performance problem you mentioned, uh, we we have uh, we have uh, considered it, and uh, we are now working on uh, working on uh, version 1.6, uh, what is uh, will be released soon. And uh, in this version, we have taken some measures to um, to make. Uh, uh, necessity of uh, indexing uh, less, and when you switch uh, between uh, the configuration, it won't uh, rebuild every every time. It just uh, rebuild once when you first time switch to configuration, and just uh, um, get it uh, back uh, next time when you switch it next time. Sven, does that sound does that sound like it's going to help you? Sven, does that sound like that's uh, yeah, the, the sort of thing you wanted to hear about that? Yeah, that's um, the direction is the right one, and um, I'm I'm waiting for one point six, and <laughs> let's see. Yeah, actually, uh, we have uh, we are preparing now uh, LXS program. It will be open in maybe a week or two. Uh, if you don't know, it's uh, a program when we, um, we when we uh, release pre-release pre, pre, pre software, uh, let's say. Um, it's not a, not a better, not demo, just uh, uh, intermediate builds that you can use, uh, give us feedback on, and uh, participate in development. So in maybe in a week or two, you will be able to try and see how it's improving. Mm -hmm. Okay, what, what I enjoyed about that answer um, in that question to me is it's, um, you know, when I'm talking to the developer of, 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 of a, uh, a piece of software and you express a problem, um, the first reassuring thing is, is when they admit, yes, that's something that's going on, uh, but then equally they know why it's going on and then they say what they're doing to look to solve it is always a, you know, very reassuring um uh, you know, step forward. So, uh, Anton, well done. One goal to you, as they would say. You do, and I keep doing symbols here. I just give a thumbs up to Simon there, like that was meant anything, <laughs> but no one else can see that. All right, okay, Alex. Um, you know, what annoys you most about it? You know, this seems really unfair on the JetBrains guys, but actually, it just draws stuff out of them, so that's great. And it gives our our listeners, some, you know, a real. You know, we don't want to sit here and do a marketing pitch. We want people to, to hear real users and hear the responses. So, Alex, is there anything about it that sort of, you know, you wish was different or actually, you know, makes you think, well, you know, like this really gets on my nerves or whatever? Uh, well, uh, if you look into uh, JetBrains' bug tracker, uh, there are something about, uh, well, if I remember correctly, about 300 uh, tickets uh, of mine. Uh, yes, there are some things I don't like or don't get in uh, app code yet. Uh, but um, I can compare with uh, with Max. Uh, 
I, lo I love to use them. They're great tools, they help to work uh, with anything I need. Uh, but they are not perfect. Uh, they have some, sometimes they have glitches, sometimes they have, uh, well, they sound not really right. Uh, upcode, uh, right now, upcode is something like this. Uh, I like it, it helps to uh, develop a better uh, applications and uh, faster, uh, but sometimes it uh, doesn't get it. Uh, some uh, auto-completion things are not there for me personally. Uh, some localization features. Uh, AppCode has some, some things to help me localize applications, uh, but they are not quite there yet. Uh, maybe because I, I want too much, uh, but I want to be even better. Um, and of course, maybe the most bugging thing there is uh, a lack of uh, project configuration, configuration support. Uh, I use it a lot. I, build uh, lots of applications and I have to get there a lot of time and I have to open Xcode uh, every now and then when AppCode is, is open. I, I want to get rid of, AppCode, uh, of Xcode totally, but I can't. So, so tell me, Alex, are you using, using AppCode as full-time as you can for development and only going to Xcode uh, when you really have to, or are you mixing and matching a little bit? I mean, do you, when a new version of Xcode comes out, do you go and see what it offers you and see if it's worth changing back? Or you know, how, how do you handle your relationship? Or are you saying, no, I want to use AppCode because there's enough about it that's good and I'm going to just you know keep filing the bugs and, and, and just, you know, Xcode is dead to me? Uh, well, uh, uh, I try to use AppCode uh, as much as possible. So there are mainly two things. Uh, first of all is uh, interface builder files and second is uh, run configuration, uh, build configurations. Uh, these things I do in Xcode. Uh, everything else, I, I try to remember what other things I can't do in AppCode. I, I believe they are not. Okay, so um, Anton, if um, Alex has filed 300 <laughs> bugs into your system, you probably knew his name already, did you? <laughs> yeah, as, as he told, told already, he he's our um, uh, oldest user, uh, I mean, earliest adopter, and um, we have uh, contacted with him uh, about regarding all his problem and to we know, you know each other. And as for um, as for problems, he mentioned again this uh, lack of uh, lack of some things like uh, project configuration. Uh, it is one one part of uh, what we are working at the moment, and uh, we have to deliver at least uh, some part of project configuration in version one point six. Uh, it uh, won't be probably the full. Uh, Full-fledged, uh, uh, full-fledged build configuration, but we hope um, to make it uh, better than Xcode um, with all stuff like um, uh, code inside. If you can uh, say uh, this in uh, code inside in this context, uh, and so on. Hadi, you wanted to just come in and say something. Yeah, I just wanted to really um, thank uh, Alexander for all of the issues he's been filing, and I was ju I was just looking while you guys were talking, and he's got yeah over uh, three hundred I think, and one hundred and thirty six of them have already been fixed, 
and I think there's about 37 right now that have been unresolved. But um, going back to a comment that you made, uh, th this is the, exactly the type of feedback that we love, right? And and the bashing the, for for you, you you know, you say that this might be bashing. For us, it's exactly the opposite. I mean, we love. I mean, you know, a lot of people love our tools, but we really need the bad feedback to know exactly what the issue is to try and improve it. So thanks a lot from you know from the whole team, Alex, for for all your help there. Great, you're welcome. That's um, that, that's good. Graham, um, uh, as an AppCode user, I mean, first of all, let, let, let's, maybe I should have asked this, do you use AppCode full-time or um, just part-time? Do you switch to it for certain circumstances? Um, in which case, what is that? And, you know, what is it about AppCode that sort of um, you wish could be better or might stop you from going to it full-time or wherever it fits in there? Now, like I said, I do have a fairly stable workflow that kind of has um, Xcode, and app code, uh, both in full screen mode, uh, so in separate spaces, and switch between the two of them. Um, I, where I'm mainly using uh, app code for kind of text based for actually editing source code stuff, there's only occasional uh, places where I need to edit source code, edit Objective C, and I switch back to Xcode, and that's um, usually when I want to do some refactoring that has to go into like an interface builder file, like changing the name of an action method, because um, app code isn't going to change the, uh, the the interface builder file at the same time it edits the source. Um, so yeah, I use uh, both of them side by side pretty much all the time. Um, before I kind of say the things that, uh, that I kind of found uh, awkward or tricky about App code, you know, I have to say that it's great that you can even see like the list of bugs uh, that um, that these guys are working on. You know, that with particular other IDEs, you can kind of file a bug report and not get any feedback on it. These guys, uh, you know, you can see what they're working on. You can see when they accept one of your bugs and start working on it. Other people can vote on those issues. It's really helpful to kind of work out that. Like I'm not alone in having these problems. Anyway, onto the problems. Uh, one, you know, I, I described before the the way that I like to run a single test by just uh, you know, hitting the keyboard shortcut to run that test. Um, that creates a new uh, issue. Uh, sorry, it creates a new um, Xcode scheme uh, in the Xcode project. So pretty soon, uh, when I switch back to Xcode. Uh, my scheme list uh, builds up you know, with uh, a bunch of new schemes added that just are named after particular tests and for running those tests and you know that that does get annoying. I have to clean that out because I mainly uh, run apps in um, Xcode, you know, so like actually hitting Command R or like, uh, you know, Command I to run in instruments. Um, Partly that's for the same reason that uh, Sven was talking about, that there's a bit more work to set up a new configuration in AppCode. But also there seems to be uh, occasional problems with AppCode communicating with either the debugger or the iPhone simulator. And so it either thinks that an app is running when it isn't and refuses to run a new instance or just kind of disconnects from the running app in the middle of a debugging session. Yeah, it's same to me. I 
use Xcode and AppCode uh, side by side. And it's very nice that they use the same project file and that they use the same configuration so that you can't do this, that you can't uh, use uh, them side by side and they don't crash about that. And um, so it's very easy to, to switch between the IDEs and you can do an Xcode, the stuff you have to use Xcode like interface builder or project configuration. And uh, for the main coding, uh, the developing and the uh, keyboard things, th then I use app code and that's uh, very cool that you can use that in this way. Okay, great. Anton or Hadi, do you want to respond to anything Graham said there? Uh, yeah, I can handle, handle these uh, questions. Um, uh, first, uh, the problem with uh, schemes, what uh, we create uh, for each test, is actually um, inherited uh, from Xcode uh, in version uh, from version 4.0. We have introduced the schemes and made it. Um, uh, quite hard to avoid uh, using them in uh, app code because um, because uh, schemes now are uh, like your make files um, and uh, we simply cannot build the project we cannot run anything without a scheme uh, that's why uh, each time you run the test we create a, a temporary temporary run configuration in app code uh, what's reflected in uh, xcode scheme and um, uh, there is uh, there are some uh, usability problems that we are aware of but haven't yet uh, fixed, um, such as uh, we probably could uh, make uh, uh, the schemes in in Xcode invisible um, if it uh, if it will be better, but they still be there. So um, uh, uh, one our problem is. Uh, uh, is uh, configuration of um, is reflecting uh, the configuration of upcodes uh, uh, run configurations in uh, Xcode schemes. Um, they are not fully compatible because, uh, for example, uh, for instance, in Xcode, when you want to run uh, one test, you need to uh, create a scheme, uh, configure it with. Uh, some uh, test bundle and uh, unselect the test you don't want to run. Uh, in a, in our code, we create a run configuration with uh, one test what we want to run, uh, and in Xcode we do the other way. And uh, actually, if we uh, reflect uh, this uh, directly, we can sometimes we cannot just uh, keep them up to date. Um, but uh, sure, we will we'll, um, we'll try to fix and uh, uh, make the workflow as as fluent as possible. But uh, if you if you have some suggestions or some usability problems, uh, you better file a bug in our tracker so we don't just uh, forget it because there are lots of stuff we need to need to handle and some some of usability problems may be just uh, maybe just lost and uh, if you have them um, in bug tracker you are sure that we will come to them eventually okay thank you I'm just gonna uh, we're gonna spend a, a 
short break now just as I want to talk about one of our sponsors and then I'm going to come to you John and let you loose on these guys um, okay I want to just thank uh, uh, Rem Objects okay if you've been listening to this show for uh, um, you know even the shortest amount of time you're going to know that Rem Objects have been great supporters of this show uh, since the beginning and Rem Objects have their Rem Objects SDK and they have um, their data abstract system um, the whole REM object setup is about uh, remoting, you know, that's uh, communicating applications across uh, the internet and um, briefcasing, so uh, where you can have offline data that reconnects and goes back. Um, I mean, if you've ever tried to implement a client server based system across um, uh, an internet or even an intranet, um, you know, it's, you realize, you know, client server is very chatty, it's designed for local area connections. Um, it's not designed to opera, uh, operate across uh, low bandwidth connectivity or with the connection probably possibly disappearing. And, um, you know, the REM Objects SDK and Data Abstract, you know, they sort of sit there and they do all this stuff for you. They provide that sort of middle tier, as it's called, between uh, your client application and the, um, the database. And, you know, all this stuff sounds really simple when you describe it this way, but if you've ever tried to implement this sort of stuff, um, you know, there's a lot of complexity, and these guys have been doing it a long time. I mean, when objects were around when I was back in the Delphi world, back, you know, a long, long time ago. And it's uh, uh, in there. So we, we want to thank Rem Objects for sponsoring the show. Um, if you want to be doing any multi-user um, uh, or disconnected type of application, you know, the Mac client is fully Cocoa um, native. You're not sort of using any third... Um, um, uh, multi um, OS tools. It's it's native Cocoa client stuff connecting back to servers, which can run on Linux or um, Windows if you need to. Um, and it's you know this stuff has got a lot of engineering and a lot of time in it. And we just want to encourage you to go over to um, www.remobjects.com and uh, check them out. Data Abstract is the tool we're primarily talking about. And um, you know, please just go pay them a visit and then maybe drop them an email and say hi and tell them that you heard about it on the show so that they continue to love us because uh, REM objects, REM objects, REM objects, John, everybody loves REM objects. John, you got anything you want to let loose on on these guys? I do. I mean, it's been, it's just been fascinating for me to listen to this. And, you know, I, I have to admit, I've never tried it. I have a, a fairly, fairly simple kind of workflow in that, you know, I, I'm the primary developer. I work with other people, but it's not like I'm working with a team of, of five other people and have remote builds and, and so on and so forth. I think I'm probably a, a pretty, uh, you know, pretty common uh, uh, developer in, in, in that I also have kind of done things the Apple way, so to speak, in that I, I use, you know, I have been using Xcode exclusively for, you know, sorry, I, I really dependent on, on Interface Builder um, because I use bindings and so on and so forth a, a lot. Um, and I, I've, I've, I've written very, very little code to, to, to do, you know, UI stuff. That said, uh, you know, uh, the the code refactoring particularly sounds interesting to me because you know I do have a, a code base that's for for memory miners stretches back you know started in two thousand five so you know I, I, there's still plenty of work to be done it's not arc it's you know it, it's there's there's plenty of cruft and stuff so that to me is is particularly appealing I'm I'm kind of curious to 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 get people's opinion of 
of of how you know how, how best to approach trying the, the app given given my circumstances. You know, what what would you do? Are there any for those who have kind of made the switch? Because it sounds like there are people who who came to using the the app because they'd use other IDEs from the same company in, in other languages. So it's kind of hey, I have this trusted relationship. I'm curious about the perspective of somebody uh, who was a kind of a, a, a an Xcode user, satisfied or not, who said hey. Everybody's been talking about this. Let's give it a try. I'm just giving him a moment to decide who wants to come back to you on that one, John. Okay. Okay, Graham, you want to have a go. Yeah, um, so I think that, uh, you know, uh, in fact, I, I think we've talked about this before um, when AppCode was uh, first announced. I think it was called um, Cider or something like that back then, uh, that I was happy that there was a, a, a another ID that was supporting Objective-C um, because you know, Xcode felt like it was uh, stagnating, like um, you know, it was a kind of fancy text editor that also did build and stuff, uh, but that there hadn't been um, many of the features that we saw in other IDEs coming uh, to Xcode. So my opinion back then was that you know, I don't care whether or not I switch to app code, I just care that it kind of brings like grown up IDE features to Xcode so that, uh, you know, so that Objective C developers can see what is out there, what other um, applications are capable of, and what features uh, Xcode doesn't bring. I mean, it, you know, for, for all that I'm not a very big .NET developer, I'm still amazingly efficient. Uh, despite my lack of prowess, just because Visual Studio makes it so fast to type things. You can kind of do one letter dot, one letter dot, one letter dot bracket, and then it's kind of automatically filled out everything you actually thought you wanted to do. Um, and AppCode brings you know, some of that to Objective-C editing. For example, um, the if, if your class adopts a protocol, you can press, I think it's um, Control-I, to bring up the um, the list of methods in that protocol, select a few, and it generates uh, implementations of those. You don't uh, have to remember how they're named to let autocomplete start suggesting them. Um, if you want to wrap something in like an auto release pool or in a test or something, again, it's just like a couple of uh, key presses, and you know, those are things that I'm really used to uh, when I work in like, Java and Eclipse, um, and I guess you know people who've uh, used IntelliJ will have the same experience because that's written by JetBrains who brought all this stuff to AppCode. And, you know, it's just a kind of, like, this is what everybody else is doing. These are the shiny toys that other developers have. Uh, why hadn't we had them so far? That's a, a great perspective. I'm, I'm curious about one other thing. Um, and maybe you can't answer it, but has Apple ever said anything to you either directly or indirectly? Because it, it's, I guess the, the big difference between developing on Apple platforms and other ones is that the, you know, how tightly Apple controls, you know, the, the development experience, you know, I and mean, think about the, the, when the transition was made from Xcode three and Xcode four, you know, palettes disappear. And so everybody who might've used third party stuff that, that kind of fixed problems with Apple's classes <coughs> or be split view, um, you know, we're kind of left left in the dark. So that's, I guess, a question for the for the, the JetBrains guys. Uh, well, I mean, not not really. I'm, but but we're used to this. You know, we have the same uh, thing coming from uh, creating plugins for 
for Visual Studio and working with Microsoft, uh, we, we just have to adapt. I mean, we just we just fix things as they go along, and if they break something, well, we've got to rush and get something out. Um, but other than that, not really, no. I mean, there's not been any direct or indirect kind of communication in, in terms of, you know, no one from Apple has come and said to us, hey, you know, what is this that you're doing or anything like that. But is, is Xcode any more or less kind of pluggable than, than, than say, Visual Studio? Uh, well, I mean, I think Anton can um, follow up on that. But uh, the the Visual Studio, it, the, the reason that we did ReSharper is, I mean, it started out as a plugin for Visual Studio. Um, I don't think that in this case there was it was planned to do a, any kind of plugin. So I, I'm not sure. I mean, Anton can probably follow up on that. But having the base of idea, um, I think it was just easier to build on top of that and provide support for Objective C that way. As opposed to making a plugin to Xcode. Yeah, that's right. Uh, actually, Xcode, Xcode uh, has some uh, Xcode, some plugins uh, plugins interface, but it's very restricted and uh, not much you can do in it. Uh, some kind, of, uh, for example, you can uh, have. Um, some new uh, type of uh, files in your project, like you can probably uh, inject some um, some uh, Ruby uh, Ruby stuff in uh, in the tool chain. But um, uh, regarding editor, there's nothing nothing you can do. And um, as Heidi told, uh, it is uh, my, more uh, wisely to have uh, to take the uh, mature platform of IntelliJ and just build upon it. We just don't need to rewrite everything on Objective C, and and it will be much more um, much more stable and much more powerful. I have to say, when I was a Visual Studio developer, ReSharper was one of my favorite tools by a long way, actually. Great stuff. Simon, you've been uh, monitoring the chat room um, because I've just been trying to keep up with who's saying what here. Um, and, and I know you've been asking a few questions yourself. Any, anything you just want to pick up on based on the chat room or your own thoughts? Yeah, um, a couple of things. First of all, I just wanted to say that um, I haven't actually used um, AppCode yet. I'm going to now, um, definitely. Um, and one of the things that I, I really, really liked in it was some of the coding assistants um, that you guys have built in things like, as Graham mentioned, um, being able to pull up a list of the the uh, delegate methods and have those inserted rather than sort of struggling your way through and trying to remember names or, or going to the documentation. Um, which actually leads me on to onto a question I had, which was about sort of the documentation side of it and documentation viewer, which is horrible in Xcode. Um, and various people in the in the chat room um, suggested using Dash instead. Um, does App Code include a documentation viewer, and is it better than Xcode's? Is my first question. Um, and the second one. Let's, let's just let them pick that. Okay. Pick that up. Um, I mean. Anton has just said in the back channel, yep, but I'm sure he'd like to say a bit more than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so documentation, uh, we have a built-in uh, built uh, quick documentation pop-up, uh, what, uh, what you can call with uh, simple shortcuts on, in every place where is uh, some kind of symbol uh, referenced 
in, in your code in uh, completion, you can just uh, call the documentation from completion pop-up, uh, from any any side view where we have a list of methods for a class. You just uh, click, a sh uh, press a shortcut, and you just get uh, get uh, the documentation right, uh, right in the editor. And um, if you want to see the full documentation, uh, you can open it uh, in separate, separate view. Currently, we open uh, Xcode's view, uh, but uh, we have uh, lots of uh, requests about integrating uh, some third-party tools like, um, uh, like uh, yeah. now let me remember, uh, it was in not instruments, some some tools that uh, offer interface uh, to Apple's documentation that are better when on Apple stuff. And uh, yeah, we actually plan to integrate them and uh, make them configurable um, so it will be much, much more convenient and easier to, to have a familiar documentation tool. Okay, that sounds good. Um, another question I've got, which you, you may or may not be able to answer easily or quickly. Um, the licensing side of it, um, I've just been having a, a quick look at that. Um, and it looks like that, um, although you sort of, you own a license for the application in, in perpetuity, um, you get the upgrades free for a year from purchase. So after that, are you guys going to be offering upgrade pricing or is it you pay the full price, um, sort of after a year if you want to buy a, a new updated copy or, or how's that going to work? That sounds like a question for Hadi, that one. Yeah, um, no, uh, the way that it works is that um, you get a, you, you would get a discount on the upgrade. Um, so you, you just own that license, and then if you want to purchase a new one, you would get a discount for any upgrades. I'm not sure exactly, because some of our products, the way they work is on discount on upgrades. Some of them are based on subscriptions. Uh, so the subscriptions one, if it's based on subscription, because I'm not sure exactly what we're doing right now with AppCode, but if it's based on subscription, then it just means that you get, you pay a renewal fee, and then during that time you get all the upgrades. But from from what I remember, uh, the um, the app code one is you purchase a license and then you get f during one year free upgrades and after that you pay a, a percentage to upgrade to another version. Cool. Okay. No, that sounds good. Um, and then the only other thing that I really spotted in the um, the chat room was a comment about um, the import optimization refactoring, um, which a couple of people said was really good and somebody else said that they'd used it before, but it was a little bit too aggressive. Um, I don't know if you guys have done anything in more recent releases about improving that or, or making it less aggressive or whether it's just a, a sort of a bad experience that, that the person actually had. Uh, yes, sure. In uh, version 1.6, we have uh, improved um, automatic import and import optimization for C++. And we also plan to make um, import uh, order configurable so you can um, set the preference set order. For example, uh, you want to have uh, imports of uh, your local classes in your project first, or uh, or you want to have them after the uh, library imports. And as for um, some problems and uh, aggressiveness of uh, optimization, uh, we better. Um, yeah, 
when we have uh, such uh, such cases, we try to fix them. But uh, surely we can we can uh, be some problems left, and uh, uh, if we have have uh, users uh, report them, we'll try to uh, to make it to make it better. Fantastic. Great stuff. Um, no, I'm I'm really impressed. I'll be I'll be trying this out definitely. Um, and it's also really nice having a company and, and and guys like you who are obviously very responsive to your users' feedback, rather than um, just Apple, where you know bug reports and everything disappear off into their their bug system, and and you're lucky if you hear anything back about it at all. Um, so well done, well done for that, and um, yeah, well done for for producing something that looks fantastic and and certainly seems to have a lot of. Um, of uh, very enthusiastic users and fans. I think at least we can say that Apple and uh, Microsoft have one thing in common, huh? <laughs> Even if it is a disappearing box. Um, no, I just wanted to uh, just uh, say that the, the renewal fee is 50% um, after the one year is expired. So you pay 50% of the actual price. Um, but just to hook on to something that Anton said uh, around C++, that we don't only support Objective-C inside the IDE. There's also support for C++ and some other languages like HTML, JavaScript, CSS, etc. Because this is all built around the core that we have of IDEA, which is the basis for some of our other tools like WebStorm, etc. So it's not you don't only get an Objective-C editor that allows you to do, you know, do iPhone or Mac or iPad applications. You also can use it for other kinds of development yeah the uh, I mean the HTML editor was something that actually uh, took me by surprise I was just uh, I think uh, I had an HTML file in a package and uh, went to edit it without thinking about launching you know, something external like dash code and uh, so brought it up in app code and everywhere that in the CSS part it had a color defined there was a little um, marker next to it. And at first I thought, oh, what's the warning on that line? And I looked, it was actually a live preview of the color that was uh, in the in the CSS. It was showing a little block of that color um, in the gutter, which, you know, a really kind of small feature, but uh, a really nice detail that like, helped a lot. And so it was it was a lot better than you know, than I was expecting it to be. Um, I'm just going to pick up on a couple of comments of myself here. I mean, I say I've not really played with app code enough that I want to make any um, judgment calls or influence anything e either way, which is why I wanted people who were using this a lot on the show. Um, I didn't want it just to be my opinion based on, you know, playing playing with it for a bit. Um, you know, what I think I do see in app code is it's... I remember the first time I ever opened Xcode. I think it was Xcode 2 at the time when I first came came to the Mac. And it was just like, it was this empty screen. You know, I came from Visual Studio, which had, you know, the normal sort of Microsoft 3 million toolbars and, you know, 600 buttons on each toolbar and icons that um, someone obviously thought meant something but well, <laughs> couldn't really make there. And you suddenly come to this empty space. And um, although Xcode had a lot of problems and there was loads of stuff missing, actually, you know, a lot of the power that was in Xcode was sort of more in, in shortcuts and understanding what was going on behind the scenes. And the, the thing I think when I... Um, you, when you open app code, or if you're going to try app code, to me, it's not a tool that you're going to open up and suddenly see lots of buttons. There, I think there are a few more buttons than there were in Xcode 3, probably not as many as there are in Xcode 4. Um, 
and it is very much about I think a tool that you've got to learn and get familiar with and let it become part of you know your um, uh, sort of uh, automatic reflex in your fingers and everything which isn't going to happen in two minutes um, if anything I might say to the, um, the the guys at JetBrains in some ways I think 30 days is you know I know which is you know probably quite long for a trial these days it's actually probably not quite enough to um, to really get to know how much I'm using this tool because you know I'm going to keep switching back to Xcode because I don't know how to do something and you know I think this is a tool about familiarity um, so uh, yeah it, it's if you're just going to open up and say I want buttons to show me how to do everything you're going to be disappointed I think it's moving to AppCode or even trialing AppCode is going to take a bit of effort um, it's going to take a bit of commitment um, and so uh, yeah, I just I wanted to set that expectation. I think Alex, you wanted to say something about um, your um, app code and workflow. Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> it's um, it's very common for me. Uh, I came from IntelliJ IDEA here, uh, but it's not common for uh, other IDEs. In other IDEs, if you want to. And for example, you have some kind of expression, you want to extract something uh, into a variable uh, right here. You mm, tap uh, up arrow several times, then begin to type uh, type, then a variable name, etc. Uh, what you do in app code, you select uh, the part of expression you want to extract and press extract. Uh, it creates a new variable for you. Uh, when you want to create new method in some class, uh, in Xcode, for example, you have to go there, then you have to imagine method name, uh, enter it, then go back and answer it uh, in your code. In app code, you do differently. You simply type, uh, uh, type here uh, the new method name, and then you press several buttons and uh, the method appears in that class. Uh, it's uh, another coding uh, workflow. Uh, you don't, uh, if you need something, uh, write it and app code create it for you. Uh, of course, it doesn't, uh, uh, it's a very funny thing. If you code in uh, IntelliJ IDEA um, very often or in app code very often, uh, in, in the evenings, you press autocomplete button and uh, think why wh why this ID doesn't write code for itself. Uh, it's very funny to notice these things. Uh, sometimes it's that smart. Uh, well, uh, app code is not uh, there uh, yet, but I think it uh, it'll come there in it in the near you know, near future. Okay, thank you. Um, the other thing I'm going to say about it, um, I. I don't mean this negatively, I'm saying this one. You know, app code doesn't look like a Mac app. It's not ugly by any means, actually it's very, very pleasant and it's it's um uh but I remember you the first time you see it, it's um you know, it looks a little bit like, you know, um a well designed cross platform app. It's it's not you know, it's not one of these horrors where you suddenly see everything is is nasty. And I think as developers sometimes producing Mac apps, that we can find that off putting. Um, I know when I first started using RubyMine, which is another one of the JetBrains guys' tools for doing Ruby on Rails stuff, um, you know, it, it took me a while to get over what what it just looked like. Um, and it was only when I actually began to get into the workflow of actually this is making my Rails life a lot easier, you know, that that no longer became an issue to me. So I'm going to um, I'm going to say out there, um, you know, 
when you fire up AppCode, don't be put off by the fact it doesn't look like Xcode. It doesn't, you know, um, it doesn't look like a, um, a Mac app, um, as you maybe would want it to or expect it to. Um, it doesn't, but it, it's, say, it's not bad looking. Um, it's pretty well laid out. Um, it works pretty well from, from a sort of a UX point of view. Um, and so, you know, stick with it and, and, and have a go. Right, um, just going to move into um, one last bit with these guys now. Um, uh, oh, wow, we've been going for ages, haven't we? Long show. Yeah, well, we've still got a bit to go. Um, we're not using tape anymore, so there's no cost to that. Um, okay, I'm just going to run through, guys. Uh, we'll start with you, Sven. Um, you know, what was the one thing that you'd love to see in AppCode that's not there? Um, yeah... I do my acceptance tests with Cucumber and Frank. don't know if you have heard from. And um, so I like to see, um, to enable a Ruby plugin, maybe one from the IntelliJ IDEA, uh, into app code so that I can write my Cucumber tests directly in app code and I don't have to switch to TextMate or whatever I use this time or RubyMine. Um, is that possible to enable the Ruby plugin or to write a, another one into App Code? Um, Anton or Hadi, if you feel like you want to um, come back on that, I'll, I'll try to answer. Um, actually, currently we cannot just plug in uh, RubyMine uh, into App Code because of various stuff like architecture and uh, project uh, project configuration um, but uh, to uh, to get the power of Cucumber you actually don't need to have a full uh, Ruby plugin in AppCode and um, currently we have uh, plans, uh, not not short time plans but uh, maybe in some future release to integrate our uh, Cucumber Test, test runner, uh, what you have in RubyMine, in uh, PyCharm, in various products, into AppCode. Uh, and um, apart from uh, from Cucumber, we are planning to uh, support our testing frameworks like, um, like Kiwi, popular framework, uh, like frameworks for C++, and uh, and some other frameworks to, to make it... Uh, uh, most suitable for for programmers who run the test um, to, to use subcode instead of instead of fixed code. Okay, thank you for that, um, Alex. What would you like to see most in app code? Mm, new releases. Um, I uh, first of all, as I already said, um, I. I want app code to be um, as perfect as it, uh, as it can be, as it can possibly be. Uh, I love when um, I press the complete uh, shortcut and it suggests the thing that I want to answer. It shortens my code coding time and I have more time to think about um, things that matter. Uh, and I want it to be even better. The, these things, uh, they are already there. Uh, I mean uh, auto-completion, I mean uh, intentions and inspection support, uh, I mean uh, debugger, uh, but they have uh, plenty of things to, 
plenty of small things where they can get even better in, uh, in time. Uh, I look forward to see uh, 1.6 release. Maybe some of them, uh, some of my mm, things will be uh, fixed there. And uh, even maybe in later releases. Uh, but I think I'm quite happy with uh, AppCoder as it is now. Uh, I can use it almost 100% uh, time, and it helps me to uh, deliver uh, products. Uh, well, that's great. Excellent. That sounds like uh, a man who has no intention of moving somewhere else at the moment. Um, Graham, say, oh, sorry, Hadi. Um uh, or, or Anton, do you want to just respond to that? I'm not sure there was anything really to respond there, but um, releases. Now you say you're working on releases, so uh, we'll try. We'll try to make uh, auto completion uh, as but um, best as possible in uh, version 1.6, and we'll try to improve it uh, in future versions. If you have uh, enough feedback from our user, we can uh, make it just ideal. Um, but it will it will eventually get better and better with uh, feedback from users uh, in Tracker and in Twitter and so on. Excellent, thank you. And um, Graham. Yeah, I think that uh, well, partly because I come last in this uh, little bit, a lot of what I wanted to say has already been covered. Uh, we you know, we talked at the beginning about having to go out to um, to Xcode for. Like interface builder and for core data, I don't so much kind of mind doing that, but it would be great if things like the refactoring support in the Objective C editor at least could uh, make changes to those files so that I can stay in uh, app code for all of my uh, code editing needs. I think if if those if JetBrains were going to bring those tools to um, to app code, it would have to be something that was uh, like you know, worth doing over uh, just switching to Xcode, which you know has some cost but isn't too hard. So you know a lot of developers have hit problems with Xcode where it no longer supports interface builder plugins uh, and it no longer supports automatic uh, UI generation from core data entities. And you know these are things that if a third party such as JetBrains was to pick up. I'm sure it would get them a lot of love. Okay, that's great. Um, I just want to come to, that's probably you, Hadi, just to finish with now. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about pricing and licensing, just, just for a few minutes. Minutes. Now, um, my understanding is um, we'll do the US pricing because it's probably the largest part of our audience. Um, a commercial license for um, AppCode is 199 bucks, and a um, personal license is 99 bucks. Um, I'd say I'm, this may be very, very clear, but I'm maybe just a little bit dumb. Um, you know, uh, a personal license says if you're the only person planning to use it, um, but does that mean if I was the only person planning to use it in a company, I'm still allowed to buy a personal license? Or could you just give us a little bit of a hand on, you know, what it means? Because a lot of our listeners are going to be one man companies. They're not. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the difference between the personal and commercial license is that one of them is a named license versus the other one isn't. So that pretty much means that if you buy a personal license, if, if, if you're in a company and you go and buy your own personal license, you can do that and we have absolutely no objections to it. However, when you leave that company, you take the license with you. 
Now, if you buy a commercial license, it's the company that buys the license. So you can use it, and if you leave, the license remains with the company. Right? And both with AppCode and all of our products, basically the licenses are, whether you buy personal license or commercial license, you can install it on 50 machines, as long as you only use it on one machine at the same time. So that's the main difference between personal and commercial. One is named to a specific person versus the commercial, which is unnamed. And then if you go down the commercial route, you have other things such as apart from volume discounts, you also get access eventually to what we have a, called the licensing server, which you know is basically a, 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 a token system where it, it pulls tokens from a server, allows you to work on the, on the product, you can even have a permanent um, token to take home so you can work offline, etc. And can also reduce the cost that it would have across your organization to run the run app code, you know, company-wide. Okay, so for most of, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to do out of 100 bucks or anything here, but yeah, for most of our um, listeners who are sort of, you know, um, well, no, a, a good portion of sort of one-man band shops, they just need to go out and spend the 99 bucks. Exactly, personal license. That's so that's it. made it really crystal clear. That's um, that's good. And Simon looks happy because he thinks he's just saved himself a hundred bucks. So that's. Uh... <laughs> and also, um, if you don't mind me mentioning that we do provide free licenses for open source projects. Uh, so if you have an open source project, we would provide with all the developers free um, licenses, as well as um, educational discounts and classroom licenses for free as well. So there are a lot of options there. Excellent. That sounds great. Now you can find out all about this at the uh, JetBrains website, which is um, jetbrains.com. And, uh, Slash object OBJC. OBJC, but we'll make sure everything is in the show notes. Now, normally at this stage, um, we've got some more to do today and we're running long. Normally at this stage, we'd tell everybody to um, give you their Twitter names and blogs and all that. But with eight of us on the show, that could take a long time. Um, and so uh, as long as nobody is going to be too offended, I'm going to say if you want to find out uh, more about how to get in touch with any of these guys that have been on this segment of the show, um, then check out the show notes, which if you go to idevelopertv slash podcast, find this episode, which is episode 57, you can click the link marked show notes and it will take you there. Of course, if you subscribe to the idevelopertv blog, that's where the show notes get published and you will find all the links and to app code and to um, uh, anything else that we've mentioned, assuming that I can remember them because I've not been really taking notes today because I've been trying to track our conversation. Um, we have a little bit more left to do, but um, uh, guys, please stay on the line. I mean, if you need to go, um, please feel free to hang up. Anton, you can't hang up because you're controlling the whole call. So <laughs> I'm afraid you have to stay a few more minutes if you don't mind. Um, uh, um but we're going to um, uh, just uh, uh, take our second sponsor because we've got a second sponsor this week. But these guys are old friends of the show as well. We're talking about the guys of an Invasive Code. Now, Invasive Code are the guys who, when they were at WWDC a couple of years, had their little um, bug-type sticker on the, on the laptop. And immediately those Apple engineers said, Invasive Code, Invasive Code, Invasive Code, everybody... Loves invasive code. You're so good at that, John. I'm just making sure you weren't asleep. And they've come back, um, you know, since we've opened up the slots again, they've come back and um, invasive code, they, they do um, contract work, but you know, the, what they mainly want us to talk about is is their training. They basically uh, will train you to be an iPhone developer if that's what you're looking to be. Um, you know, uh, professional iPhone and iPad development classes, um, they want to sort of really point out the quality of their training material. 
it's uh, stuff uh, of the stuff they do sport class sizes you're not going to turn up to an invasive code training class and suddenly find you with 50 or 60 people um you know i can um you know, i know some training companies do that that I, to be honest that drives me mad that's that's more of a seminar than a training class if you ask me so these guys keep small classes um so that uh, you can um you know really get to engage with the instructor and um you know learn the stuff their next uh, course that's available after um this episode is on the 9th of July in Barcelona, or should we say Barcelona, um, in Spain. Now, the normal cost of this course is €2,800. It's a five-day course before you start thinking um, that's a lot. Actually, for a five-day course, it's pretty good value. But, however, if you go to their website and you book in before the 9th of July, a bit pointless booking in after the 9th of July, I guess, as it's on there, and you put... Um, in your email contacting them saying you'd like to book in the words everybody loves invasive code say that for me John <laughs> everybody loves invasive code and in case they didn't get it say it again John everybody loves invasive code yes I'm feeling like a uh, Baptist preacher here um <laughs> It's, uh, if you put that in the mail subject, or I'm sure if you just put it in the in the email itself, you can get a 200 euro. I said yes, 200 euro, not 100, not 150, but 200 euro discount on um, invasive codes training. So uh, let me just mind you what this is. That's uh, an intensive five day iOS. Uh, that's so it's iPhone and iPad development. That's in Barcelona, Spain. Now, if you're um, you can get there. Barcelona is a fantastic city. Uses a good excuse to go visit Barcelona. July 2012. Remember, everybody loves Invasive Code. If you get in touch with them, go and check it out on their website, training.invasivecode.com. That's training.invasivecode.com. We want to thank them for coming on board as a sponsor. Please do get in touch with them or even just drop them a line and say, hi, thanks for sponsoring the show. We love you because everybody loves Invasive Code. Invasive Code. And you know why everybody loves Invasive Code's training classes that take place in Barcelona? Because they're delivered in perfect English. That's true. Thank you, John, because I totally forgot to say that. They are not in Spanish, because that could be a problem if you're not from Spain. They are in English. It's great. The, the guys from Invasive Code, they started sponsoring the show you know, a number of years ago, and then Jeppe from Invasive Code moved to, to um, San Francisco, and you guys have become quite good friends, haven't you, John? So it's, it's great you know, that started we are. from a bit of sponsorship, and uh, a friendship evolved. <laughs> and and numerous <laughs> numerous uh, what's the word compromising pictures that shall not see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes. And uh, whenever I'm in uh, San Francisco, I do try and catch up for with the uh, Jeppe and, and John, obviously for for a bit of dinner because they know some great restaurants, so they're well worth knowing. Um, Haddy is just uh, saying to me in the back channel. Um, I've got to make sure I add to the show notes the upcoming plans for um, supporting core data and project settings and app code. Hadi, just tell us a little bit about that. I know we finished that section, but just quickly tell us about that. No, it's just it was in reference to, uh, I think Graham was asking about uh, what what he would like to see in the future, and we have already plans for some of those things that he mentioned, including core data and uh, I think project settings. And as he points out now, the class diagrams, etc. So the the link that I've sent you, uh, that's public, which shows basically all the upcoming features on our 1.6 roadmap, um, which is completely open for for people to see um, what's coming up. Excellent. So thank you. We'll make sure they are in the show notes. Oh, we still have one section of the show to go. It's not, you know, just a little while ago. He is sat here in the studio. He's been monitoring the chat room for me. Um, and um, generally behaving himself, which is quite unusual. But uh, yeah, normally he sends us in a report for the AvTag Diaries. Um, 
but he has decided to come and deliver the Avtag diary in person. I am thinking this might mean there's been some progress, because I think the last time he put an Avtag diary in it just said, I haven't done anything. So let's find out if it's uh, uh, the same or something new. Please put your hands together, give me a round of applause and a glorious roar of satisfaction for the one and the only Mr. Simon Wolf. <sighs> Um, I'm actually quite pleased that we're overrunning because um, the news isn't great. <laughs> um, it has inevitably been a fairly hectic um, last few weeks working on um, client projects. Um, I've got a, another client who's hit a, a bit of a problem with uh, the Mac App Store um, and the iOS App Store, which we're trying to sort out. Um, so I think I'm just going to say really nothing, nothing major, nothing significant to talk about. Um, I will come back in a few weeks when actually I will finally, hopefully, um, properly spill the beans about what Avtag is. Um, and um, I think I'll probably just do everybody a favour and say that's it. We can uh, wrap up the podcast. Oh, my word. I was joking when I said, are we going to hear anything? I didn't realise we weren't. <laughs> Here we are. Simon never fails. We should really call it the Avtag Hammock Diary. <laughs> the Avtag Slumber. <laughs> there it is. Well, thank you, Simon, for travelling. Um, how far, how many miles is it to the I'm studio? hoping you're going to buy me a pint. That's, uh, that's why I came yeah. up here. Uh, yes, it's, uh, I mean, it's a good an hour and a quarter's drive here to the studio to tell us, actually, I haven't done anything for weeks. <laughs> we, are, we are we are so pleased to have you on the show you are such a quality guest there I, we are. I, I like to uh, help deflect some of the abuse you give john normally <laughs> that's true that's true okay for that i'm grateful <laughs> but i do have plenty of abuse within me that i can share with anything right well i just want to thank um everybody who's uh, been with us uh, graham and sven and uh, alex and anton and haddy and yes, even Simon, and of course you, John. Um, uh, John, you never even got the chance at the start to mention who you were, so I'm going to um, come back to you and just say, just remind us who you are very quickly. I'm John Fox. I write an app called Memory Miner, which you can find all about at memoryminer.com. You can follow me on Twitter as Djembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Simon, did I give you the chance to say who you were at the beginning? I can't remember. so long ago now. I can't remember. I am uh, Simon Wolfe. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SGAW, um, and I run Otter Software. Okay, and I'm Scotty, and you can follow me on Twitter as MacDavnet, and I run TV. This has been an TV production. Hopefully you have been thoroughly educated and thoroughly entertained, and if you haven't, well, maybe you should try another podcast. Until next time... You take care.